Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guest is Andy Drish of The Foundation. He and his business partner, Dane Maxwell, um, have really, over the last few years, created a a unique way of starting an online business uh, through software. They call it a software as solution business. Um, not all the teachings that they teach at the foundation uh, revolve around building software as a solution, but it is one of the key factors in terms of building a scalable business with low overhead um, to be successful in this you know evolving market. Um, I first heard about Andy's partner, Dane, um, through several podcasts that I had been following. And, you know, he just really shook up sort of the concept of how to build a business. I came across this really simple infographic that uh, Dane and Andy had created for the foundation. It was really funny. It essentially shows, you know, two ways to start a business. For instance, the traditional way you want to start a business or what we think that we're supposed to start a business is that we come up with a crazy idea. And then we build that idea. We build the product. And then we shout about it on Facebook and Twitter and other marketing strategies where you're pushing it onto people, you're advertising it onto people, and you're praying. You're praying that you'll, you know, get profits. And when it's not working, what do we do? We rinse and repeat, saying that, you know what, the idea wasn't good enough or the product wasn't good enough. And then you, you know, go back in that cycle again. What Dane and Andy were able to do is that they saw business differently. They were extracting the ideas from you know a marketplace and extracting the pain points. And then they would pre-sell this concept of a solution you know, via software. Um, so they don't waste their time and the energy or money seeing whether or not um, their product they want to create you know, has any validity or any value to this specific marketplace that they're trying to you know, hit. Um, and so once they get the pre-sales and once they get the feedback that, yes, there's a market that wants it, then they build the product and then they scale and grow. They are consistently building a product worth value to the marketplace for a very specific group of people. So I always thought this was interesting because as a filmmaker, you're kind of coming up with something out of the ether or what you're influenced by um, in past you know, experiences or art or other films or writings that you have accumulated over the years. Um, then you sort of create something and you sort of push it out to the marketplace, hoping that it finds an audience. Now, it'd be interesting if we could take the concepts of both Dane and Andy have created and say, let's find out what an audience really wants and then use our creative talents to build them something or create some kind of art that speaks to them in a deeper level. And, you know, so subconsciously it's connecting to them, but at the same time, you're applying some very skillful entrepreneurial um, strategies in place, making sure that your art has some validity and some value to the marketplace so that you are not going to be out, <laughs> out of money and, you know, poor and not being able to create another product. Anyway, I've been following Andy um, since they launched their foundation podcast called Starting From Nothing. And it's really interesting to hear how both Andy and Dane have, you know, they're so young and they built this business and they're successful monetarily. And now they are building a foundation called the foundation to teach this practice to other people. And then we're beginning to see the results of these other people beginning to uh, have success building these software uh, uh, businesses. So there's an opportunity to reach out to Andy and to get him on the podcast. And so he accepted. 
So what you're going to hear is that I was on travel, meaning that <laughs> I was away from my home office. I was actually in Los Angeles for a lot of meetings, and I was stuck. I was like, okay, well, I have my laptop. I have my audio recording gear. Um, I just didn't have Wi-Fi access. I didn't. I couldn't find a, a quiet room or anything like that um, to schedule this meeting. So I just had to utilize uh, my Verizon hotspot. And so you're going to hear the, the audio of Andy kind of, you know, gets a little off here and there, but I think it's such great information, such great content. I think you can kind of, uh, you know, forgive the audio quality uh, that kind of bounces in, in and out of his, um, his side of things. It's not his fault. It was my fault. So essentially I was in my rental car, you know, in a quiet parking lot and doing my best to conduct an interview. <laughs> so anyway, enjoy this interview. It's a little bit different. Just, I want you to kind of keep the mindset of, Imagine if you did build a successful business and, you know, monetarily you were doing well, but what's the, what, what does that mean next? What's the next step? And this is what's great about Andy. He starts exploring these, the bigger question of, yeah, even if you do make it successful, what is the next big question? But I think this is the question we need to start with before we, you know, build the next, uh, you know, company or we build the next film project and all that stuff's kind of coming together. So I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, and I hope you get some real value out of it. So here he is, Andy Drish of The Foundation, here on the Film Trooper Podcast. Let's imagine that we're at a party, and I, I just heard somebody say, oh, you got to meet Andy. You know, he runs like this amazing uh, foundation helping, uh, you know, people, you know, build businesses uh, with software and, or a uh, software business. And like, so like I come up to you like, look, I don't know anything about anything, but it sounds, everybody's talking about you. And can you give me a rundown of like, we're at a party. How do you introduce yourself? Oh man. <laughs> you know, if I was at a party, I actually wouldn't talk as much about, I mean, we might get on the topic of foundation. If I really like told you where, where, where like my genius is, if, if that's ultimately what you want to get to, cause I feel like small talk mm-hmm. at parties, you know? sometimes can get there sometimes can't but at my core what what i'm really a ninja with is helping people align with their deepest truth and create possibilities for their life from that place that's where i'm really really good okay that's so cool let's just say that again one more time because that was so great because i then i'm going to ask you how long it took you to come up with that sentence (laughs) yeah um i help people align with their deepest truth and create possibilities for their life from that place that is so true and so like when you're trying to when you're basically drilling down to your core or your why or your purpose in life how did um how long did that take to structure that sentence (laughs) oh what happened what was that i uh i said 10 years years. (laughs) um so 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 when i was 18 uh i grew up in a town of 600 people in the middle of nowhere in iowa and uh, when I was 18, I went to college. And the first day of college, this guy, um, Randy Bloom, who was our professor, hands us this book. And it was titled The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And I read this book. And for the first time, I had this mind-blowing epiphany of people actually write about what makes them successful. And I, I just didn't know in 18 years of living, I didn't know people did that. You know, Growing up in southeast Iowa, you just don't really have access to that. So from that point on, I just have been become, you know, obsessed with learning about this. So 
you know, self-help seminars and, you know, went to like the Tony Robbins stuff and landmark stuff and hired coaches and consultants and psychics and intuitives and numerologists and astrologers, like totally like all going down every rabbit hole I could. And, um, in 10 years, I think the greatest thing that I've ever learned is that we all have a genius living inside of us and that the uh, key to living a life of happiness and abundance and joy is to discover what your genius is and to build a life around what that genius, like what that genius for you is. So um, it's from all of those things, taking all the personality tests. And then this, this January, I sat down and I started mapping out everything that I've done. Um, so I've mapped like all of the tests. I reached out to all of my friends and asked them what they thought my genius was. I mapped out all of my jobs that I've ever had and the job, the things from those jobs that excited me. And I did all of this mapping. And then eventually like three, you know, a couple activities came up that were that activities that gave me energy that I got excited by, um, that I love doing over and over. And from that place, I, I realized that was the sentence that makes me feel most alive. Um, so I mapped the whole process on my website. So you can you can go to my website and like go through the process that I went through. It's pretty chill. What um, um I'll put that so on yeah. the sh- yeah, I'll put that on the show notes. Let me ask you, um this is genius by the way, because from an outsider's perspective, like, you know, I'm forty two and it's yep. it's fascinating because I'm watching I feel like I'm kind of somewhat coming late to the game because I, I look around like, wait, where did all these young people like in their late 20s early like your mid 30s are just killing it online and i'm trying to you know and i went to the world domination summit that's how i met dane and yep. and he was in a very happy liquid state or <laughs> or he's trying to pick a fight maybe that's why he was in a happy liquid state. i don't know <laughs> i tease him <laughs> I, I just i came up to him and said hey uh just a big fan and before he knew it he was just hugging me but it's because he, he has liquid courage, but anyhow. <laughs> oh no, that's not that's that's just how we roll. <laughs> so it was fascinating because meeting all these people and seeing um, just a collection of very young, successful people, um, which is interesting because you built, you kind of reached that goal of like I built a successful business that has you know monetary value that is, is sustainable, where a lot of people like my age or older. We're like, we went through the route of went to college, got a job, and now we're looking at like, wait, what's going on? You know? And yeah. it's, it's fascinating because the book, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's book, The, the Outliers, um, where yep. he talks about it matters what, what year you were born to some extent. And it's really fascinating yeah. because when the economy was tanking uh, in like 07 or something like that, I was in my th- mid-30s with a mortgage and a kid and, you know, and a family and the different mindset was like you just got to keep going, get a job. Like that's all. That's there was no other concept. And it's interesting because I had gone to college, and the internet wasn't. Nobody was blogging when I was in college, but the people yeah. that I follow that I'm learning all this stuff from are these younger people. That that was their world. They were in high school, college. You know, it was part of their you know social interaction. So they so when they got out of college, a lot of them were like, well. There's nothing here for us. The, the economy yeah. totally imploded. So they were like, we just got to survive and be uh, creative and make it up. And so yeah. they were already operating stuff online. So it's really fascinating to see how that literally played out. So now, like me being someone in the 40s, going, okay, I, I'm playing catch up, but I'm enthusiastically playing catch up. So it's fascinating to listen to you and Dane, how young you guys are, to how be successful you are, but to see that you guys are digging into something much deeper. Because it's like, mm. yeah, okay, guess what? Once you do make some money, you do make success, what's the bigger question? And let me, yeah, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, cause I, I was going to say, I was going to ask you that big question is, you've, you've hit that, so 
And like you said, you've discovered your, your mapping, but you've also helped so many other people with your, the group, the foundation. And I was wondering, do you see like a common core or you must be meeting people like in my age bracket or something or, or that, that have like a, a similar like, well, wait, what did we miss or you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. It, well, well, it's interesting. I just interviewed uh, my friend Sandy last night. She's probably mid-40s for, mid or so, like early 40s, and uh, she was a podiatrist um, and had like a, a shoe stop, shop and helped people with their feet and stuff, and she just built her first software company, and you know, she's like in the midst of it and having the time of her life doing it. It's, it's crazy. Um, dude, there's, there's definitely some sort of evolution that's happening right now, and uh, I was at a this past weekend here in Boulder, Dane and I were speaking at an event, and the speakers were like Jack Canfield and Tony Shea from Zappos and Ariana Huffington and Lynn Twist and all these big name people. And by the end of the weekend, you know, after seeing everybody speak, what what I realized is that the most successful people are playing a really really big game. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, my friend told me a story of this guy who was who met met Richard Branson, his hero, for the first time. And he's at Neckard Island. He's telling him about his business and how he wants to scale it and all of these different things. And Richard looks at him and he's like, "I'm bored." <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> the guy's like, what? You're like my hero. What? And he's he's kind of taken aback. And Richard's like, I'm I'm bored. You know what? And he holds up his hand and he holds up the palm of his hand and he draws a P on this palm of his hand like this. And he he looks at it and he's like, this is your problem right here. Do you want to know how to solve your problem that you're facing right now? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, and he draws the box around his entire hand, a box like this. He's like, your problem is this small. He's pointing the, the, the palm of his hand. If you want to solve this little problem that you have right now, try solving a much bigger problem. Go try and feed kids in Africa or do something bigger. That's how you solve the problem that you're doing. And what really clicked for me this weekend is that uh, the most successful people are the people who are playing really, really big games and who really, really care. Um, you know, like the, I, I really, I really honestly hate the whole term or idea of success anyway. I think it's kind of a BS construct, but, um, you know, like at some level, yeah, we have a business going and it's going well and all that. And like, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface on what's possible for us. Like the impact that we want to create in the world and the dent that we want to have, it's still, I feel like we're still just barely getting started. You know, yeah, no, I mean, what it's been what a year and a half, two years since you guys started the foundation over two years, yeah. But what's amazing of it is the people you bring onto your podcast, those fellow students, and seeing the results, and then seeing, but there's something deeper about what you guys are teaching that isn't really being shared on the other, uh, you know, authority, authoritative people I follow, which is like there's there is this life change, or there's this community that you guys built because you keep it small enough. And uh, it's you can hear it in the the transformation of your students, and so that is like the probably the biggest best uh, glowing example of like whether or not you know you guys are full of shit or not. You know what I mean? That kind of you know what I mean. <laughs> the whole point is like no, it's it's for real, and it's the it's story, addictive. Dude. Yeah, and I really dude, go ahead. Here's what it is. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just no, get so excited by this because it's true. And what's happening is everybody else is teaching strategies and tactics. And strategies and tactics will only take you so far until you actually shift internally who you are and what you believe about the world and your identity at its core. That's the game worth playing. That's the game worth shifting. 
so we, we all have belief structures, right? Like there's a lens in which we see the world and it's the beliefs that we have that construct the reality that we're living in. This is a little like down the rabbit hole and a little woo woo, but it's a, a taste of what we're doing at the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the beliefs that we have are beliefs that we, we uh, uh, basically kind of got from us osmosis from our parents. It's what our parents projected onto us. And those are the beliefs that we have. And that's why, so if, if your parents were employees, you probably believe that the way to make money is to work really, really hard and to get a good job and to do good grades and to climb the corporate ladder and do all of that because that is the, the mindset that your parents had. That was the mindset I was raised with. And so what happens with our students is we, we teach them to, instead of like looking out through this lens that they're entirely unaware of, we teach them to turn their awareness inward and to look at the belief structures that they have and to look at how the beliefs they have are shaping their reality. And when you start shifting your belief structures, you shift everything. Like you shift everything because what happens is your beliefs create the emotional state that you're in. The, the state that you're in dictates the actions that you take and the actions that you take dictate the results that you get. So if you focus on shifting your beliefs, you shift your state, you shift your actions, you shift your results. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it does. Because like I said, I've been following you guys for a while and it's, you know, um, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's funny how you just, you guys connected the dots just slightly just enough or differently and we're able to communicate it out to the world that enough people have been taking notice and making this shift. I really love what you did on your podcast many you know episodes ago when you were finding your feet of like, well, what, what does the, this podcast mean? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, screw it. Let's just start riffing and, and dig into something you're much more passionate about, which is this, this deeper thing. And um, it's crazy, but it's like I'll get like tactics and strategies from other podcasts and they're, they're helpful. But like it, you have a nice balance because I can come to your your podcast and your discussions and your ex- explorations and and find out there's such a deeper deeper meaning behind it and it's funny from my end of things I have a lot of I, the audience audience I, I I work with are other filmmakers where they're just trying to make films they're just trying to figure out how to make their film and make it happen but as I'm working on a consultant basis with some of these filmmakers we find out that there's a much bigger question, which is like, wait, 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 why do you even want to make a film? Like, why be a filmmaker? What is yes. at the core? Like, is this something that you, you you didn't get, you know, are you looking for approval from the outside? Or is it just fun? Are you trying to live the film or tour lifestyle? Or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, well, when you're in the film, you're making itself. What is the core value? Does it have anything to the value of the world? Or is this, is it just another fun, you know, horror film or something like that? So it's, it's, it's interesting, like, I can't. I realize I can't help them until we dig down deeper. Because once we know that is, then I can help them build sort of a marketing plan better for their film product that they will believe in and have a long term uh, approach to it. But it is funny because then it clicked to me. I'm like, oh my god, that is the real issue. And then I. That's why I was like coming back to you. Like, oh my gosh, you guys, you guys are nailing it with the how you guys are addressing the foundation. So we we actually have a, a module. So when you first come into the foundation, the first module that you go through is the mindset module that teaches you like all of these high level things, and uh, and we have a, a teaching on dis- finding your why is what we call it. Like Simon Sinek wrote a, a he did a TED talk that was all about this, and you, you know one of uh, one of our top students, Chris Wackerman, I think he he sold like twenty five grand worth of stuff during his six months with us, and which is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. But he said the most valuable thing that he actually got out of the foundation was discovering his why. Mm. Um, and uh, 
oh man, I, I'm trying to see if I can actually remember exactly what his why was, but it was something along the lines of like taking chaos and, and transforming it into simplicity. And when he understood that, he actually, he had a consulting business that he was unhappy with. And when he got reconnected to why he had the exact same consulting business but he had a whole different level of energy and excitement around it because he was connected to his purpose for living and the entire reason that he was doing everything that he was doing and I think that's really has to be the core of what fuels all of us you know because if we're just doing stuff aimlessly and we're not actually connected to why we're doing it or often it's because of some unconscious pattern that you know our parents want us to be successful or whatever it is um, when, uh, when we connect to that everything shifts you know and the work becomes, at some level, the, the way I see it is, is your work becomes sacred. The work that you're doing in the world actually becomes the, the way that you can give the greatest gift that you have and the greatest contribution that you can make to the world. That's what work becomes. It doesn't become this like soul-sucking places you have to go to. Yeah, definitely. Let me ask you, so if you were to give advice to like, we're talking about like uber indie filmmakers these are people that just like they have the film gear in their their house and they're making like films a little bit here and there with their their buddies and they're you know they're entertaining but they want to take it to the next level or start selling it as a self-contained product um from that perspective and everything that we're kind of talking about i mean you know if you were able to like be like obi-wan kenobi and put your hand on luke's shoulder how what would you what kind of advice would you give them in terms of the bigger picture of what does their their purpose mean in terms of a film product yeah. know, it's kind of a, a weird question but no it's a great question because so many people are trying to figure this out and the thing is uh if you're a filmmaker if you're an indie filmmaker at your core you're probably an artist um and 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 your your film is the art that you're creating for the world, and so I fell in love with art three years ago uh, by taking taking too many mushrooms at Burning Man. Hey, and I, I, that, I'll, I'll link to that episode because that was a great episode of your podcast. Keep going. Yeah, I, I didn't even get too far down the rabbit hole. That I went a little bit, but so. Uh, take mushrooms, and I'm in uh, Fractal Nation at Burning Man. And, and I see this painting by Alex Gray. And Alex Gray is like this incredible visionary artist. And this man is almost like in this meditative stoke pace with like his hands at heart center, like in yoga with his head kind of bowed. And the light changes from yellow to red to blue to green. And it would cycle through this. And every time the light would change, the entire energy of the painting would change. Like this red was like this fiery anger and frustration to this blue, peaceful chillness. And it made me fall in love with art. And so I started uh, – I have no artistic ability, but I love it. And I think the world needs more artists in the world, frankly. And so I started working with this artist named Android Jones. He's a visionary artist. I believe he's one of the top five visionary artists in the world. He's here in Colorado. Um, and I've learned so much from working with him. And what I've learned is that uh, if you want to be an artist, you still have to study marketing. You still have <laughs> to understand what makes people tick psychologically and so when you're creating the film what exactly is it that you're creating right like what exactly why would people watch this why would people want to buy this what is it that you're creating and what is it that you're tying them to so you can see the painting that i have in the background mm -hmm. um it's called boom shiva uh and it's this giant thing of this god shiva sitting there it's extraordinary and it's made by android um you can link to it or show it in the show notes or whatever yes and what he is selling in this painting is not a piece of art because the canvas is, 
is, you know, it's, it's digital art. It's like literally like printing something on paper. That's all it is. And so inherently, intrinsically, there's no value to it other than something that you could burn for a fire if you really wanted to. Um, <laughs> but what it represents to me, what it represents is a part of me that I want to live into like a part of me that I want to become or it ties me to an experience of myself that I want to continue remembering. That's what art does for me. And when you understand that, the entire experience of creating it changes. And when you're selling art, it changes entirely because you're not just selling a, a, a painting anymore. You're selling somebody um, the connection to self and that remembrance that they get to experience every day when they look up and see your painting. Um, so if you're an indie filmmaker, you still – must understand marketing because it's how people think it's psychology it's how influence matters and at the end like you i feel like i feel like people just have to know the basis of that yeah definitely how does um your experience with your students and if we're getting yeah. uh, into like sort of the hero's journey thing so i first of all that was a great answer because it's exactly what we all want to hear it's like it's needed it's important but you need to have structure in order to communicate that and i almost like what i don't know what your perspective of marketing is for, but for me marketing is just a form of communication so it's like you have a form of communication yeah. to express this body of work you know but it has yeah. to be effective um and so the, the going back to sort of the hero's journey with your students um in some ways, you and Dane have assumed the role of the mentor, the wise wizards, you know, as leading uh, your group the, uh, through the journey of building a software business uh, or other businesses like that. Um, at what point does it, like, circle around as the students help you, be, you, know, it, it, you know, where they're sort of you become sort of the, the hero or um, the student to, the, to their being teachers, even though they're your students. You know, you know I'm trying yeah. to get around, like, there's like this back and forth where you never stop learning from each other, but what sort of uh, profound changes have you f- found in yourself through your students in the process of teaching? Oh, man, it's, it's, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work that way of, like, you, you go through this cycle of being a mentor and then a cycle of being a student. It's actually happening on a moment-by-moment basis. Mm. You know, the idea of teacher and student is just a construct or label that we put, but it's actually happening literally moment-by-moment. Moment. Last night, I was interviewing Sandy, um, and somebody asked a question about how to, how to hire a developer. And, uh, and, and I was thinking through the answer, and she goes, she goes, you're thinking too far ahead. You're asking the question that's 20 steps down the road, and the only thing that you need to be doing is what's next. And she answered it that way, and I was like, oh, my God, that's the best answer that anyone could possibly give right there. <laughs> it's, it's, John Loger, one of our students went through, he sold, he sold uh, $120,000 worth of stuff in six months of going through the foundation. That's crushed anything that anyone has ever done in the foundation in the past wow we hired him to create an entire module that we're beta testing right now with our students like it's 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 constantly happening we're constantly in a state of like teaching each other and i think that's one of the things with the foundation like i actually don't like i don't like being in that position as much like i i like the idea of having a community of people who are all dedicated to living lives like extraordinary lives like excelling in all areas and bringing that community together because when you bring the community together everybody has their own gifts to share everybody has their nuggets of wisdom to bring and uh and and i prefer that much more than than like being put up on a pedestal like the only thing that happens when you get more successful you you get much bigger problems (laughs) like and so like the, the roller coaster just goes higher that's literally all it is um but it's the same roller coaster ride that we're all on 
Interesting, interesting. What is your vision for um, for yourself and the, the foundation that you could share publicly in terms of, you know, obviously you guys, you probably do have like a bigger vision as you've discovered your why. I don't know how recently that you were able to come up with that wonderful sentence that sums up yeah. your purpose, but um, is there something else looking out to, something much bigger than we ever could ever think of? Very much so. Um, yeah. The I came up with that that sentence in January is when I spent time and mapped all that out. In in August, I went to Burning Man and uh, went to the temple. So it's third year in a row, and I go to the temple every year. It's like a pilgrimage at some level. And this this time, I was meditating at the temple and asking, you know, what should I be doing next? Like, what what do you want next for me? You know, like, and I don't really get into the whole religion thing, but spirit, source, God, what whatever you want to call that, like higher power thing that kind of exists. Um, asking that and the download that i got was to be a leader of the men of our generation and uh and so that's a really big thing for me personally that's the vision that i'm holding for myself in this current moment and then for the foundation what we ultimately want to create is the home for entrepreneurs who are starting companies from scratch so if you've never built a business before if you're like a first generation entrepreneur that has to go through this crazy journey that we're all doing we want to create the home for people for that so you could you have access to the coaching and the community and the content that you need that is the best in the world for you to be able to take action and move through the all of all the ups and downs that you have to go through on this journey to being an entrepreneur because I really believe that if you are a first-generation entrepreneur, you're not only shifting your life, you're shifting your entire lineage. Like all of the people who will come after you and all of the people who came before you in your family history, the people who came before you were probably employees at some level. And if you take on this journey of becoming an entrepreneur and understanding the mindset of how to create value for the world, you'll be able to pass that on to your children who can pass that on to theirs. And then ultimately, I just believe the world is such a better place with entrepreneurs in it. And the more entrepreneurs that we have, the better because entrepreneurs are creating value for the world. They're part of the entire cycle loop. We're the people who are responsible for innovation and creating cool new stuff. Like I, I really feel like the more entrepreneurs, the better. Um, so that's what we want to create is the home for entrepreneurs who are just getting started for, for them to have a place to come to and gather. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. And I'll make sure to get all the proper links for people to know more about you guys and then start listening to your podcast as well and following the work that you guys do. And, and uh, I hope to have a chance to meet both you guys again in person. You Me know, too, man. Um, and uh, like, so you don't have to see this image. For some reason, I'm looking at the the screen and because the i'm seeing in my car you're just seeing like up my chin so i just like i look <laughs> like my head looks massive like <laughs> but yeah, dude, uh, <laughs> I, I would love to meet in person you're I, I i may be at wds next year i'm not sure but if you ever make it out to boulder just let me know sure i bounce between uh portland and uh, san diego and as well as los angeles so if you're down uh, visiting dane you know i have family right there in encinitas so it's like that's cool. where I stay when I stay with my brother who lives in Encinitas. <laughs> Badass, man. So it's very man, it's so good and uh so brave of what you did, how I was able to connect with you because you just yeah. threw out here's my cell phone, text me if this means anything to you. And I was like, I'm texting him in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm so glad you did, man. I, I love it. Like I get I get text messages all the time now um i you know i'll do it like maybe once a month on a podcast and and then they just get flooded for the next few weeks and uh i really really love it it's fuel every time i get a text it's like a little fuel in the gas tank to keep going because this is hard work man building a company is hard 
And uh, yeah, and obviously you, you know a lot of it's stuff online and whatnot. So um, you you, you kind of need that water cooler. You need that sort of human interaction. So yeah. it's very cool. Amen. Well, listen, awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Enjoy yourself, and uh, I will follow up with you later with all the details here. But, uh, I, again, appreciate the, the deep talk. <laughs> and that concluded my interview with Andy Drish of the Foundation. Um, I hope you got some real good value out of it. I thought it was one of my more favorite interviews just because of Andy's passion about trying to figure out the why or what he calls the genius in, in everybody. And hope that kind of puts your head in a different space because it's like, you're going to ask yourself a bigger question of like, why am I a filmmaker? Or why do I want to become a filmmaker? What do I have to offer of any value to the world? And so um, as you explore that deeper question, then you can start building upon that, you know, an online business uh, per se around your art, around your films. Anyhow, I really enjoy this interview. So I hope you did too. And as always, if you're stuck trying to make your feature film, if you know, or your, your short film, then I offer you a free gift over at freegearguide.com. And this is an equipment list of everything that I used to make a feature film with no crew. Again, that is freegearguide.com. So you can kind of read about it, look at all the gear that was used, all the equipment that was used, kind of give you an idea of maybe to help kickstart your your project or get it off the ground or start thinking of it in a different light. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a ratings and review on iTunes for me. Um, you can go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll take you to the link to iTunes where you can leave a ratings and review. You can be honest, you know, if it's good, if it's bad, eh, it's may, good, could be improved, let me know. Um, I really appreciate it. Again, I hope you got some great value out of this episode. I will see you next time on the Film Trooper Podcast. Thanks. Bye.